1: I don't mean to ask a negative question as I begin but I think it uh, bears the question do you agree that we live in a society that often shows very little respect for people in authority do you think you could agree with that all of you who are in a position of authority probably experience that and Who would experience this more than maybe a police officer and law enforcement, how little respect they really get? And then you move into the world of education, how many of those that are teachers or administrators and maybe even coaches, and sometimes they are dissed and not given the respect that we perhaps gave them years ago when we were much younger. And then you could even move it into the world of parents. How many of us have been in restaurants or out in the community or in the mall or even the beaches, and we hear how children, uh, little kids and teenagers will talk to their mom and dad and how they'll treat them. Publicly, And if they don't do it there in front of the parents, they certainly do it behind their backs. And it happens all over, and we know we live in that world, but that's not how it should be with those who know Christ as Savior. And so for all of us that might have picked up some of those habits, I would like for us to kind of shed those habits that are not right and begin to embrace the biblical character trait of respectfulness. And so let me maybe point out why some people have a more difficult time with this. Others might find it easy to be respectful, but there are those that find it very difficult. And as I was pondering this, I came up with four reasons why you and I might have trouble showing respect to other people. Reason number one is because some authority figures truly are not respect worthy they don't live a life to earn our respect. They're not honest. They don't keep their word. They are self-promotion. Uh, uh, they don't do self-denial. It's all about them. They abuse verbally, maybe even physically. They manipulate the systems. And they're in positions where that they have the authority to control our life, and yet their lives are so out of control. So it's very hard for us to give respect to those who, at times, are not worthy of our respect. And that's, where, that's a disconnect. A second area is some young people are not given adults as role models in adults following respectful people. In other words, the young people have no one to see how do you respond to an authority figure because the people in their life that are adults don't respond well to authority figures. And you see that more and more today where kids aren't showing respect to teachers because parents don't show respect to teachers and it goes on and on all throughout society. So they don't even know it. So a lot of it, they can learn respect by just watching mom and dad and how they... quietly and properly respect authority figures. A third is this, that some people when they were children weren't taught to show proper respect and the benefits of showing respect. Do you know that when you do give respect to someone that there are benefits that you often can receive from the aspect of giving respect. But there's also consequences when you don't give respect. And the kids aren't taught that there are benefits when you show respect. And there are consequences when you don't show respect. So they don't know how to do that. So they're basically dysfunctional. And truly, those of you that are in this, you know that it's like planting and harvesting. If you plant respect, you often get it back. That's a biblical principle. That's just a law of life. And so when I show respect to other people, it'll, they'll show it back to me. And we need to show our kids that. And then finally, this is a harder one to explain, but I think some of you, if you cogitate on it this afternoon, you'll agree. And that is some people just don't have respect for the whole concept of respect. Respect is something that doesn't mean anything to them at all. So it's, it's not even a part of their lifestyle. And of course, you get that person bumping into humanity, then you could understand all the bruised thinking, the false thinking of what respect is all about. So all of this is going on in our world, and that's why perhaps we are having more trouble today with showing respect one toward another. But again, that's not what Scripture has to say. And I've really learned a great deal as I was preparing this message on respect. I preached a message very similar to this years ago, but I wanted to redo this message based on the truth I knew then and the truth that I've gained over years of being in ministry and in God's Word. And there is so much more I've learned. And I'm so excited. I feel like I've just gone to, I don't know, Famous Amos' and got some famous cookies right out of the oven, and I want to share them with you, and they smell so good, and they're so moist and chewy on biblical respect. Respectfulness. Well, let's see what it has to say, first of all, what respectfulness is as far as a definition. The first one I got out of is our regular standard desk dictionary, and it means this, regard for and appreciation for worth. I got thinking about that, appreciation for worth. You know, people today, when we see people that are around us, I think for just a moment that everybody ought to get what we call a buy-in of respect. They ought to get it to start with. Whether they earned it or not, they get respect for us. Those of you who might be our guests today, and I'm not singling anyone out, I will show you respect even though I don't know you, whether you're worthy of it or not, because everybody needs to learn to show respect. That's part of the definition. We ought to appreciate one another, and it's done by showing respect to them. Noah Webster has a longer one, a little bit more complicated. He says this It's that estimation or honor in which men hold that distinguishes worth or substantial good qualities of others. In other words, that they see good qualities in others, they recognize that in others, and now they demonstrate worth to that person because of the good qualities that they have. And then I went into the Old Testament because there's a lot to be said about respectfulness in the Old as well as the New Testament. The Old Testament was a little bit sharper. I like what it had to say. It came from a Hebrew word that means, if you respect someone, that you will recognize them. Now, you might recognize them by pointing them out. You might recognize them by you just see them, you know, kind of cognitively recognize that person. But it goes more than that. It also means to acknowledge them. It means know them. And it also means to discern them. It's like looking at someone when they're speaking. It was quite interesting. If you noticed last week... Those of you that were here, you saw John and D. Cook up here, and he invited his wife to come up at, on the platform and share in the message early on, and as they did that, his wife took the microphone, and she began to very articulately explain a little bit about their ministry. Did you notice John, as he stood out here, he wasn't looking at the crowd to see if you're looking at him. He wasn't looking at his notes because that would be dishonoring. His wife was speaking. He turned and he faced his wife, and he was riveted on her and what she was saying. Then I noticed that when she stepped aside for a moment and John was speaking, she then looked at her husband, and even though she didn't say the words, she was communicating this, my husband is speaking, he is saying something of value, and you would be wise to listen to him just like I am paying attention to him. Now she never did say, oh I worship you John, or anything like that, all she said was by her action is that he is speaking and he is worthy for all attention to be given to him. Now that's what the Old Testament would say about demonstrating respect, first for God, of course, and we'll get into that big time, but also for one another. But there's also something else. It also means to pay attention to and take notice of, but with the caveat of this. And you'll find this in Proverbs, and the beauty of the word is while we're hammering on being respectful... The word of God also keeps it in a proper balance because in our sense of being respectful, we then often can then show partiality to those and God cautions us against that. And so found in Proverbs 28, 21, it says this, to show partiality is not good. In other words, showing respect above other people for whatever reason can also be very dangerous. It says to show partiality is not good. Because for a piece of bread, a man will transgress. In other words, you can be bought very easily. So be very, very careful. All right, then I went into the New Testament. And in the New Testament, I found only two Greek words. And they're coming off of kind of a combination word. I'm not here to wow you with Greek. So let me just give you what it meant. It means to look away from all else to one object. Now I use the illustration of John and Dee when they're up here and a lot of you that have been involved in, in singing groups and the like, you're taught that when there's someone that's singing a special, the rest of the group kind of pivots to them to watch them as they do that. But in the New Testament, it's said in a context where that it was saying about Moses that what he did is he looked away from all else that was around him and he looked to Christ and he says, whatever benefits that I have doesn't mean anything to me because it's all about Christ and the rewards that I will have in Christ. So that whole concept of, I'm going to look away to all others and focus on him That's showing respect at that time. Does that mean that we're not to remember the needs of everyone? Surely we are. Does everyone have importance? They all do. But there are certain times that we zero in and we give respect to that particular person. Another word simply means to look upon or to have respect for them. That being said, for you parents that are trying to help your kids understand a little bit about respect, I'd like to give you a working definition. And you can massage it, and it's going to be there for you to jot down if you haven't already. Respectfulness is showing biblical honor and esteem to God first and then to others. And the reason I chose the word biblical respect is because you need to know that we do it in the context of appropriately doing this. We don't worship man. We do show him respect. But it's God first and then to other people. Now, does that mean that it's only God? Yes, God is at the center of this, but often when God is telling us to relate to other people, and it will say in Scripture to honor all people, that sometimes we really respect God. Listen, listen. We respect God. We honor Him by doing what He tells us to do, which is also to properly, biblically, honor others. But to make sure that we honor others properly, we have our right honor of God first. He's the governor. He's the ballast in our life. He's the foundation. He's the cornerstone of who we are. Once we have our respect for him right, then we will be able to demonstrate respect for the appropriate people at the appropriate time in the appropriate way because we have it right upward with God. Now let's go to number two. This was really interesting because when I found the word honor, I'm using the word honor synonymously with respect because it's so close together and it's found in the original languages that way so I could do it. But this is so rich. This, these two passages I'm about to show you is absolutely huge in understanding and respect. First of all, you're going to see where it says, Jesus, the Son, honored God the Father. It's found in John 8, 49. Jesus answered, and he's talking to the people, Honor my father. So that's what he did. He's telling everyone else to honor my father. Now, stay with me. In the same passage, just five verses later, it's reversed now, and it says, God the Father honored God the Son. So now you have Jesus answered, It is my Father who honors me. Now, there's a lot of truths found in this one passage. So if you will, just look up here for a moment, and let me just speak to you a little bit and see if I can drag from this passage some great applications. The first one I think is key, and that is this. Jesus and God are one. So if you want to park on anything, those of you that are still struggling with is God and Jesus one. That one passage alone is showing that both of them are to receive equal honor. And if they weren't one, they wouldn't get equal honor. So they are equal in intensity. They're equal in divinity. They're equal God. Now that I've said that, now notice something else. There's a mutual honoring going on. So if I step away from the passage and I'm just looking at God the Father, God the Son, and they're showing honor to one another, there's a mutual thing going on. And what can I take away from that? I could take this away from it, that I'm to honor God equally by honoring Christ. So when I honor Christ, I am honoring God. But when I use God and I'm saying I honor God, I'm also honoring Christ. So when I do one or the other, I'm mutually honoring both of them. So I can take that from the passage. The second thing I could take from the passage is this that we can mutually even honor each other, that I can honor you, you can honor me, because God the Father, God the Son, honor each other mutually, even between two people, two existing people, we can do the same. Now I'm going to draw a real fine line with this next one. I thought this was interesting. You have God the Father, and He has His role. You have God the Son, He has His role. So you have two that are equal, but yet, yet two have different roles. Which means, and I don't want to make this, I'm not going this far, I'm not saying God is is over Christ now. I know it says that in Corinthians, but I'm not saying that. But in reality, let's say that some of you work on a job together and you have your employer here and you're the employee and you're in the same room right now or you're listening to me on, on on the radio. If that's the case, do you notice how that each person can have their own separate jobs, their own separate job descriptions? Both of them are important. And even though one might have more authority given to them to have over you, you still can have mutual respect to each other. And now let's bring it into the family. I don't think there's anything sweeter than to watch a father... Honor his son. Yes, he's father. He's the one who brought the child into the world through the boy's mother. But at the same time, the father is looking at the son and honors the son. You sometimes see that in the business and professional community when the the dad owns the company. You can see it in some churches where the father's been a pastor a long time and the church honors the father when the father's ready to kind of redirect in his older age and now the son becomes the senior pastor. And now the father looks down at the son and gives him great honor to do that. And then you have the son who looks up at the father and honors dad for all that dad has accomplished and who his dad is. So you can get that just from that one passage. I'm going to leave this with this one more thought. Since God the Father, God the Son are one, and I trusted Christ as my Savior, that whole divine character trait of honor lives in Christ, now lives in me. So now the question is, can I honor other people? The answer is absolutely yes. When I find a great struggle to do that, I can still do that because the honor of Christ dwells within me and so I exchange my inability, my struggles with how I was was reared with a family who had a hard time honoring people in authority. I now can find honor to other people in authority because I see it done even here in Scripture in the life of Christ. So now I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. Well, with that being said, how can I demonstrate respectfulness to other people? Now, this is going to be a little bit more of a balance of how do I do it in certain capacities here, and I hope it might be a blessing to you as it was to me. So by the power of God, for the glory of God, I should do the following. So let me try to bring balance here. Number one, not favor wealthy people for their wealth, but for their character or office. Not to favor wealthy people for their wealth, but for their character or office. Now, I've chosen a very familiar passage of Scripture. It goes like this. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. In other words, don't show partial, partiality or favoritism. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, driving a fine car or a fine chariot, and there should also come in a poor man with dirty clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes that would be showing respect, or honor to the one wearing the fine clothes, and you say to him, oh, sir, you sit here in this good place, and you say to the poor person that has those old clothes that stink, and you, you stand over there, or you get further away, maybe implying that you don't fit in right here and you're going to offend other people by the way you look, act, dress, smell, or sit over here at my footstool so I can keep my eye on you. And then Scripture says in verse 9, But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So the point of the matter here is if you honor someone, you pay attention to, you show favoritism to someone who has wealth as opposed to the person who doesn't, that would be a sin. So now let's see if we could make some sense out of that statement. Remember how I said in the point that if you show favoritism or honor to someone for their wealth, then we err in that. Now, I need to make that very clear. There are some people that are wealthy. Some had no choice to get wealthy. Some got their money because they inherited it. Some of it, it just came their way. Some people are going to be wealthy because somewhere along their world, they made a decision that said, you know, I want to get a good job. In order to get a particular job, I need to go to school. So they work hard in school to qualify either for a scholarship or to get get accepted into a university. They work hard in the school. They stay focused. They do their homework. They do their reports. They do it on time. They stay in school. They really learn all that they can. They they, they do the system appropriately. They then get ready to graduate, and there's a plethora of corporations or companies within their framework of a profession that want to hire them now because they're educated. Now, none of us can disagree with this, that it's often said on statistics that those who go to school, graduate from college and universities will actually have more potential earning power than those that don't. Now, let me say this very quickly. It doesn't mean that if you don't go to university or school that you will always be poor the rest of your life. I have too many illustrations of people that never went past the eighth grade that owned their own businesses and were able to sell those businesses and retire wealthy. All right? Never went to school. But that is a rare thing. And I'm saying that to come to this conclusion. They are wealthy because of a character trait in their life. Their character trait was they were industrious, they were diligent, they were hard workers, they were focused. They were people that did not get so easily distracted with the tinsel and noise of playing in all the world of getting involved and not on their course of action to prepare themselves to make a valuable contribution to world society, whether in some profession that they had. So they're wealthy, so we don't, we don't commend them for their wealth. We commended them because they made the right choices earlier on to do the things necessary to prepare themselves to make a greater contribution to the world. Now... That's what this point is simply saying. We're respecting them for who they are, how they worked, and not necessarily for what they own, what they possess. All right, number two. If we're to do this to the glory of God, I should not favor proud people or liars. Now, this one I don't have to spend a lot of time on because those I know just about all of you in here, and I don't believe you'll do this. But let me read the verse and show you how it does play out in our society. It says, blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect or honor the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Now, most of you will say, I agree with all of that. But I want to take you with me on a little bus trip to a part of our town here in Honolulu where there's a lot of gangs that are going on. And most of you can read about it. Some of you might be remotely affected by it because you teach in a public school system and you see the tattoos, the marks, the clothes, the little lingo's, the way they move their hands, their little communication about their little gang. Some of you hear enough about it. What it means to be even initiated into a gang—it happens all the time. I was, uh, Carol and I were living in another part of the island here when we first came here. Most of you know that. And I came out one morning and I noticed our car was parked on the street. And on, this, on this, the, the driver's side, I noticed that our, my, my rear view mirror, my side view mirror, was popped out and it was gone. Now, it didn't just fall out and break. It wasn't that someone it, it just unglued. When we got in there, it actually had to be taken out with a screwdriver and pried out. Well, I thought, that's kind of weird. Who would ever do that? Maybe it happened while I was driving. I thought, no, because you have to use that side view mirror quite frequently. So, no, I, I, it was there last night when I parked the car. Then as I'm in my car looking at this thing, figuring out how I'm going to do this, and I think we were even heading to church, I can't remember, but while I was doing all of that, I had two neighbors that were looking at their cars, and their side view mirrors were popped out of their car as well. And so I began to talk, and as I talked to more people, here's what I discovered, that that is a little gang initiation. They said, the police officer said, that a couple of years before they weren't popping that out. That's the thing this year that they're doing. Two years ago they were breaking antennas off of cars. And so in a particular neighborhood that was an initiation in a particular gang. Now you're wondering, why am I telling you all of this? Some of those kids want to get so accepted into a gang that they want to have the same power and control of being a camaraderie in the gang or maybe work their way up at that little gangy thing that they're doing that they then will compliment and praise and follow after those who, that verse says, are liars and thieves. And it can happen in their world. How many of you are at least understanding what I'm saying? If you do, go like that, all right? Can you do that? All right. Now, that means you've all been in a gang. All right, I knew that. No, no, I'm joking but I wanted to say this now do you know how easy and how susceptible our heart is because it's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked that we too could do the same in the business and professional field we too can follow other business people or other owners or whatever to manipulate the system and follow them even though they got nefarious business practices so that maybe we could make more money we could get promoted we could get a bonus or we could get a corner office And it can happen in any world that we're in right now where we begin to very subtly and slowly give too much respect and honor to those that are the liars, the cheats, the thieves. We have to be careful of that. So I'm just saying, caution yourself, take a a checkup from the neck up as you're living your life to make sure that you are honoring those that have done it the right way. Let's go to number three. And this one here I'm not going to spend a lot of time on because I've given you different sections and verses so you can work your way through it. And that is to give appropriate respect to people who hold God-given positions of authority. All right? These are God-given positions of authority. All right? So for the children, your parents have been given the position of being your parent by the very fact that they came together and were allowed by God to bring you into the world, which now God tells the world, them, and you, that they are the head of household. And so you need to give them appropriate respect. Now, that's not going to say that sometimes they will not be angry, that sometimes they will not double speak, say one thing to you and in front of you and do something else to a Christian leader or something. That might really happen, but for just a moment, boy up, girl up, and realize that God put them in that position and just the very fact they are your parents, they should get that respect for their position. Wives toward their husbands. It says it in Scripture, that's a wonderful passage of Scripture there, it's talking about how that even wives who had had husbands that were not even following the Word of God, that hated the Word of God, it says in the Greek, that was actually looking at the Word of God and finding ways that they could prove the Word of God wrong, those kinds of husbands, it still told the wives that they needed to show them honor and respect in the appropriate fashion. And there's a way to do that. Go back to the passage and discover it. It's exciting. But then it doesn't stop there. It talks about the husbands need to show honor and respect to their wives. Many times you make it very easy for the wife to respect you husbands if you're showing to your wife tremendous amount of dignity and respect and you do handle her with love and tenderness and care. Then it talks about citizens towards the government and you could talk about all those in law enforcement but also our constitution that we do have to follow what it says and God gives us the freedom to change it through the system appropriately. But we do show that system our respect. Employees toward employers. I left you a passage there that talked about what about those that have employers that are perverse. How do you properly respond to them? That passage will tell you that. Please look that up. It's key. It's critical. And then the next one says employers toward employees that if they would like to receive respect from their employees, then they need to show in re- respect as an employer for them. And showing respect means you value them, you esteem them, you count them worthy. For even being employed by you and the fact that they've chosen to stay employed by you and they could so easily just bolt. And they're there with you. So what can you do as a Christian employer to show dignity and respect to them? And then finally, church members toward church leaders. And we'll talk about that at the end of the message here very briefly. But again, there is an importance that God does place over you spiritual leadership to protect you, beginning with your pastoral elder level to help you out. All right, let's go to the next one. This one is a key. Put a star by this one. It means giving honor with my heart, not just my lips.